Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Most workplaces have a place to go when you're not working, a lunchroom, cafeteria, or maybe a space with an espresso machine and a ping-pong table. These non-work spaces are also places where unplanned but valuable work conversations happen. Social science has a term for these kinds of unintended incidences. They're called latent functions. Latent functions exist on a grand scale at our public libraries. Principally, a library is a building that houses books that are loaned out. Beyond that principal function, all kinds of social and educational programs are run out of libraries. Reading outreach for children, adult literacy, creative writing workshops, all kinds of community meetings. And then there's the tax forms, internet access, and the other services that libraries provide. Although we expect to find all these things at our libraries, local governments typically see them as mere latent functions beyond the regular scope of the institution, and for that reason don't necessarily fund them. In New Orleans, we have an organization dedicated to raising auxiliary funds to cover that shortfall. It's called the Friends of New Orleans Public Library. It raises money through grant writing and donations, but principally, it's a bookstore. Three days a week, they sell donated books out of a building on the grounds of the Ladder Library on St. Charles Avenue uptown. And one day a week, the bookstore is open at the library in Algiers. The executive director of the Friends of the New Orleans Public Library is Shannon Satanovich. Shannon, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. So glad to be here. When you're not reading your library book, maybe you're watching TV or a movie. When you get to the end of a TV show or movie, the typically long list of credits is an indication of the large number of people it takes to make a work for the screen. Although that list of creators can number well into the hundreds, the only people most of us have any real interest in is the relatively small number of actors. Within the entertainment industry, actors are also the center of attention. Projects are often funded based solely on which actors agree to star in them. In the tiers below starring roles, landing an acting job is highly competitive. Getting cast in a movie, a TV show, or a live theater production depends on how well an actor performs at their job interview, uh, known also as an audition. Here in New Orleans, there's a business that dedicates itself to preparing actors for auditions, and it's called the Actors Apothecary. The founders of the Actors Apothecary are Chelsea Bryan and Sylvia Grace Krim. Chelsea and Sylvia, welcome out to lunch. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. You're a duo. We never have duos from this. this is very, very exciting. <laughs> Shannon, on paper, Friends of the New Orleans Public Library has an enviable business model. The books you sell are donated, so you're paying zero for inventory. The people who sell the books for you are volunteers, so you have no employee costs, and the libraries own the buildings you work out of. So I assume you're paying little or nothing in rent. Barnes & Noble would love to have this kind of setup, but there is one significant difference between other bookstores and the Friends of the New Orleans Public Library. A big chain like Barnes & Noble has almost complete control over which books get sold. A small, secondhand bookstore buys books they think will sell, 
but you have absolutely no control over your inventory. You can only sell what people donate to you. So are your customers the same folks who go to the regular bookstores or are you catering to some other specific niche type of book consumer? I think we are catering to book lovers in general. I think we get people who go to the big box stores, they go to other secondhand stores. What unites them all is their love of books. And in particular, those who come to us, I think, know that the sales go to support programs at the library. So they feel good getting a great book at a bargain price. I mean, our prices are almost as low as they can go, but people feel good when they leave with a handful of books knowing that it's going to support the library. It is very cheap to get a book there, by the way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love going You're there. Price to move. It's good to know. <laughs> Chelsea and Sylvia, being an actor in movies or TV is probably the highest aspirational, most glamorous job in the United States, if, if not the world. We're used to hearing people in these professions claiming it's not as glamorous as it looks, or it's stressful, it's long hours, it's hard work, and it's not a secure living. That's probably true, but everybody's job is stressful. Many of us are working long hours, and most of us are in positions that are insecure. You're both actors, and you own and run the Actors Apothecary, so you're also entrepreneurs. Seeing you're some of the very few people who have a foot in both worlds, how do you compare the world of acting to the world of business? I guess we'll start with uh, Sylvia. I've never owned a business before, and, um unlike Chelsea I didn't know any of the ins and outs of what that meant and so it's been very stressful for me a lot of hard work a lot more hours and and like your brain never turns off when you own a business and that's not something with acting you know your jobs are either maybe they're up and down few and far between wins when it rains it pours and then it's like dead so it's been very different having to um, you know never be off work now and other people's careers are kind of in our hands as well as far as taping their auditions or if we're coaching them for something and um, so it's been humbling as well as uh, did I make the right choice (laughs) right and Shannon I view the library as something that kind of levels the playing field a little bit Um, it you know it's the place for when Andrew Carnegie started it, that was the whole point. Uh, Do you see it that way? I do. I see it as a community institution that reflects the community it serves. I'm always blown away by the creativity of our library staff and how they come up with programs that are going to meet the needs of the people in their neighborhoods. You know, perhaps what is needed on in Algiers is not a program that is needed uptown, but these library staff members work so hard, Peter, to make sure that the community is getting their needs met. And that can be help with taxes, it can be story time, it can be STEAM programs for teens. You know, I'm thinking about the main library, which has a fantastic hands-on tech center for teenagers teens only none of us at this table are invited so if you're 13 to 18 <laughs> you can invited for years exactly you can go and enjoy learning how to use a recording studio learning how to use a 3d printer and that is reflecting the needs and the desires of the kids in our community so for me it is a leveler but also it's reflecting what new orleans wants and chelsea when you came up with this was it be um was it because you were having a, a, some difficulty on your own. A lot of times that's how entrepreneurs get going. Um, well, actually, I owned a business for about nine years before opening the apothecary. 
to have a day job that I knew that I was bringing in money because with acting it's so inconsistent you literally have to interview for every day of work that you have you're constantly interviewing so it was a combination of just already um, inherently having that kind of mindset of an entrepreneur and also a need because New Orleans did not have a hub or a communal space for their actors and we have a huge I was going to say this is a very odd idea you need um it would you would think it would be one of the top 10 places to have it exactly i mean we have such a huge film uh community and we have uh, sound stages i mean there's always something being filmed here but there was nothing really supporting the local actors uh, you would just get phone calls from random people saying hey can you come tape me or can you do this do you have that and then they had an uh, a group of older actors that didn't have access to the technology uh, since the pandemic. So it was really a need that came from a combination of we didn't have it and then the pandemic changed everything about how auditions were being held. And Shannon, uh, I was going to bring this up somewhere in the show, but we talk about libraries. You know, there's one group that says, oh, they're not necessary anymore because everybody has a, um, has a computer. How do you answer that? Well, I would say anyone who says that clearly has not been in a public library lately. Because when I go into the 15 branches across New Orleans, I see places that are busy with people who are either looking for assistance, filling out job applications, or doing resumes. You have people who are just looking for the pleasure of a book. I mean, for me, the great joy of my job is I get to wander through libraries, and if I happen to see a book on the shelf that catches my eye, I have the ability to pick it up, check it out at no cost to me and enjoy it. So for me, the library, it is bringing to the people you know, access to books, access to online resources for kids and for adults, and also a time just to let our imaginations go wild. You know, for I, when I get into discussions about economic development in New Orleans, and I was in adult literacy for a dozen years before being at Friends, so often we were talking about reading as what could lead people to get jobs, which is important, it's critical. However, what I see the libraries do is they are providing a spark for imagination. You know, we're talking to two actors here. It is not just about the money, I'm sure, with your careers. It's about the joy that you get from the work that you do. So while I appreciate so much of the work that the library does to help people with jobs and to help with adult literacy, I also love seeing kids get excited by the book that they happen to find on the shelf. So if a child gets excited and obsessed about dinosaurs, the library is there to support that. If you have a child who's obsessed with Legos, they have a Lego club. You know, someone is interested in acting, the books and the resources are there. And for me, that is the value of the library. So to answer your question, if someone asks about the relevance of libraries, they have not been to a library lately. <laughs> You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Shannon Satanovich from Friends of the New Orleans Public Library, whose bookstores and other activities provide funding for the New Orleans Public Library, and Chelsea Bryan and Sylvia Grace Krim from the Actors Apothecary, a communal hub for actors and performers. Sylvia, you two, in addition to being one of the only pairs we've ever had on the show, uh, are work together like all the time, you, the, the facility's open like nine to nine, seven days a week. Most times when businesses, when people get together, particularly people that like each other, it, it really kind of gnaws at them eventually. Um, tell me the truth, do you like Chelsea? Is I'm that... in love with Chelsea. 
<laughs> but she's married. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how do you do it? It's you're a, you're one in a million in this case. How do I how do I do it? How do I have a working and friend relationship at the same time? Yeah. Uh, I think we got very lucky. Um, we met on a short film, on a student film, back in the day, almost ten years ago at this point, and um, we. We're both auditioning for the same. I'm going to tell a backstory because I think it helps. Um, we were auditioning for a lead in a short film. Both of us were auditioning for it. We both heard from other people that the other person was auditioning, and so there was, you know, we we were, there was some like um, competition going on, right? But as soon as um, we both got cast, Chelsea got the lead. I got her sidekick, but it was perfect. And <laughs> sounds like you're still a little bitter, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the tables have turned, Peter. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, anyway, so let me speed this up here. So um, we hit it off right away, and we were, I mean, inseparable pretty much ever since. And we've um, had a lot of experiences in life and work together. And whenever the apothecary came to be, and Chelsea brought this to me like hey I'm gonna do this and I'd like for you to be a part of it 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 was a no-brainer um, and then we learned along the way that we both have the same kind of work ethic um, we're both very hard workers um, we like to be proactive um, about our careers as well as just when we are, when we start a when we start a job you know or we when we start a project um, we're serious about making it a good project. And also, we, we crack each other up. I mean, I think she's hilarious, and she thinks I'm pretty much the funniest person she's <laughs> ever <laughs> met. No? Okay. Yeah, a <laughs> um, but think of you yeah. like, like Cheech and Chong, or oh, Thelma yes. and Louise, or Sacco and Vanzetti. Anything with an ampersand, Both really. Both um, It's yeah. I've had people come up to me and tell me that they know me just from Sylvia social media because I'm there on there so much they're like oh you're Sylvia's wife I'm like no but that's yes. our, on, that's our it's, ongoing joke okay it's it we're is best friends she's I'm not actually in love well yeah well it's that's for another show <laughs> they um hey Shannon I was going to bring this up somewhere along the line I guess as good a time as any and this isn't Orleans Parish libraries but there are libraries not too far from Orleans Parish that are starting to ban books i mean i thought joe mccarthy was dead so did we yeah. but apparently now we're dealing with more book challenges and book bans than we have in 20 years the difference is where before it used to be individuals who would come to library with book challenges now we have groups that are coming that are very well organized and very well funded so that is a concern. I know that public librarians have all over the country because who has to deal with that? It's the library staff. Sure. You know, what is frightening is that now, you know, the threats to librarians who try to stand up for this. You know, we have a librarian in Lafayette who, uh, you know, they're trying to fire her because she has tried to stand up to the library board that, you know, it was over That's something crazy. very small seeming to me. It was over a pride display that the library board did not want displayed. And now this librarian is facing legal fees as to challenge to get her job, to secure her job. And so it puts a lot of stress on the frontline librarians. And what you want to keep in mind is that these are people with professional master's degrees who have chosen a career of service, and we ask a lot of them. We ask that they deal with whoever walks in the door, whether that person says, I need help learning to read, I need help finding a book, I need help with taxes. We have these trained professionals who have 
undertaken this life of service for the greater good of the community. And now they're going to have to deal with this harassment. So I think it's incumbent on all of us who believe in freedom of speech, who are against censorship, to stand up for them. Because, you know, I think back years and years and years ago, you looked at the books they were banning. It was like Robin Hood because, you know, they're stealing from the rich to give to the poor. And, yep, and Grapes of Wrath because it made employers look bad. And uh, now it seems to me when I look at the books, there's a lot of um, uh, attempts to to work out any kind of gay references. Absolutely. Yeah. That seems to be very much what it is. And what I've never understood is, you know, I look at my nine-year-old niece who one day turned to me while I was on my cell phone and she said, I know what your code is to get into your phone. She had just observed me getting in. <laughs> and to me, seeing what children can get into on the internet, that is really problematic. But books on a shelf, you are a parent, you control taking your child to the library or not, I think it's incumbent upon you. So to me, I'm much less concerned with what kids can get at a library than what they could possibly get into on the internet, and so easily. But these parents who are making these book challenges do not seem to be as concerned with that as they do with harassing library staff to the point where we're seeing libraries have to cut hours because staff have been harassed to the point that they're leaving the profession. So what That's you're seeing is a diminishment of the presence of the public library in some places, and that only makes a community poorer. It does not help it. Remember what Einstein said. He says, all you need is uh, uh, for success is to know the location of the public library. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, in know. a time of crisis, you know, I think about us after different hurricanes, we've shown up to public libraries in towns we did not know, and those are the people who set us on the right path, where we needed to go, what resources were available to us. So they're invaluable all across this country. And uh, Sylvia, when I think of your business, and I've read quite a bit about it, it seems like you have a relatively constant cash flow. I mean, um, it's, uh, she's giving me that look like, it's very tough. We but do not have cash on the premises. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and the address of the place, why don't you tell us that? No, it's. Oh, like Chelsea told my home address in the last radio interview we did. Really? Yeah, that one couldn't get cut out either. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to try to stay away from that. But, <laughs> Sylvia, you know, I mean, I look, you, you do a lot of, a uh, lot of people coming and going that are paying you uh, for this. Is that somewhat comforting it's not like you're waiting on one like being an actor is like waiting auditioning and waiting on one mm -hmm. gig um yeah right now we're we, we had, had a lot of overhead costs and a lot of startup costs so right now we're not really paying ourselves much so to be honest peter it's getting a little scary but yep. Uh, yep. No, not too bad i'm, I'm sorry I'm, I'm often joking so um npr is a little more serious i think oh, no, so no, maybe it's, it's i should okay. the, uh, not joke i've seen chelsea's bake sales they're great it's gonna be uh <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of you know what's funny. My we actually have a client who brings us baked goods every single time she tapes. Her sister, her twin sister, bakes cookies, and every time she books an audition, they bring cookies. So we often have baked goods. Baked goods, and sometimes we uh, we offer them for a donation. Like you, you can take some, but give us a dollar. That's yep. right, that's right. Well, Chelsea, um, what we do in the business school is we tape someone being interviewed, and um, it really helps. And, uh, and of course, the you know it's also frightening to see your, see yourself, right? I mean, or hear your your voice. Um, what do you do for a, an actor? You you do some coaching, right? 
Yes, absolutely. So sometimes you just need an outside perspective because you're too close, almost like being too close to the project, you're too close to yourself. Um, and so even professional actors, they come in with this, um, this idea that they formed uh, through doing the work and sometimes it doesn't work. And, uh, and we just slightly, we just lightly give them suggestions. We always ask. Um, if they're open to it, and almost everyone is. And so we just maybe uh, redirect their goal or um, some information about the person. Because there's a lot of work that goes into these auditions because you have to think about who you're talking to, how you feel about it, how you're reacting to the reader. Because anybody you're talking to, you're going to react to differently. And so and Some people come in and just specifically book a coaching yes. session. And so we go over the basics a lot of times. So uh, memorization, um, just staying Point connected. View, yeah. yeah, listening. Yeah. there's <laughs> Shan, I have to ask you, because I sit on the board of a group not-for-profit that's about to embark on the same thing. You are not the public library. You're the friends. Of Correct. Public. Why and how does that work? Well, New Orleans Public Library is a part of the city government. And us, as such, they are not able to solicit donations on their own. So Friends is, the, is sort of the nonprofit arm of the public library that can go out and raise money and, you know, on behalf of the library. We don't exist without the public library. I always tell the staff there, we are there to elevate them you know, and to thank them. Because I think what we hear a lot when we're at our bookstores is not just that people appreciate the books, but they want to say thank you to the staff of the library. So our job is to raise money and awareness on behalf of the library, but also to keep reminding the staff how much we appreciate them as a community and how much we see the hard work that they're doing for us. You know what I like when you go to that uh, ladder library in the back there is that like when I have clothes, I, I drop it off at Goodwill and such. And there's no conversation. But it seems like every <laughs> every single book that that person is handed, the person wants to talk about the book. Absolutely. Books are so different. You know, I've talked about this many, many times. I think the books that people give to us, they represent a time in their life they represent aspirations that they had. They often are donating books because they're moving or because someone has passed away. So it's not just books. Yeah. It represents something about them and their personality, about trips they wanted to take and didn't take. Who knows? And we, you know, we do want to talk to people about the books they're giving to us because we want to make sure we are getting quality books, nothing soiled, nothing with mold on it. You know, it's kind of surprising what we get sometimes, you know, but for the most part, most people give us beautiful quality books that we can resell and pour all of that money back into the library. Chelsea, when I see auditions, uh, you know, represented on uh, in movies, it's always a bunch of people and they come out and they read a few lines and, and there's people in the audience that write little things down. But you're but you're doing a lot of, uh, of this where people are watching the video of somebody auditioning. Is that new or? It's not new. We used to tape people if there was a situation where you were out of town and you couldn't make it in or you were auditioning for a market maybe um, New York or LA. But since the pandemic, no one auditions live anymore. So most of the casting directors don't even have offices anymore. They're watching tape because to the movie studios, it's considered an unnecessary risk to potentially spread COVID when they can just as easily 
tape the audition and then have a casting director watch it. But um, we're both members of the Screen Actors Guild, and there's been a lot of discussion that it, it puts a wall in front of people who either don't have the money to buy the equipment, don't have the money to go in and tape, don't have the, the knowledge, knowledge exactly. And and we find that, I mean, we have a free service uh, that are, we don't even really consider it a service, but we just found ourselves doing it now. But we have older actors that come in and may say, I, I feel like I'm too old to do this or I've been aged out. And we sit there and we show them how to do all of the online actors access, which is something that you have to have, how to submit your audition, because we don't think it's fair that they have this belief that they can't do it anymore because it's moved to an online platform. And there's so many amazing talent out there, like the legends that, you're just, they, that need to be on we, camera and need to be discovered. It's like, you know, they're inhibited because of, you know, everything's online now. So we have a client who's 98 years old. For most of us, reading books, watching TV, or going to a movie is a break from our everyday world. But for some people, books, movies, and TV is their everyday world. Shannon, your professional connection to books is unique. Your daily labors provide an important element of funding for the New Orleans Public Library. And Chelsea and Sylvia, your connection to film and TV is equally unique. On paper, it seems paradoxical to create a business that's building a community of actors while at the same time giving each of them a competitive edge. Mm -hmm. But in the real world, it's working. It's been great to meet you all, Shannon, Chelsea, and Sylvia. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Shannon Sitanovich, she's the Executive Director of Friends of the New Orleans Public Library, and Chelsea Bryan, and Sylvia Grace Krim, actors and co-founders of the Actors Apothecary. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Shannon's books and Chelsea and Sylvia's actors by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 
If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.